Let's read together 1 Samuel chapter 6. In this chapter, we have the record of how the ark of the Lord was brought back to Israel from the land of the Philistines. 1 Samuel chapter 6, beginning at verse 1. Now the ark of the Lord was in the country of the Philistines seven months. And the Philistines called for the priests and the diviners, saying, What shall we do with the ark of the Lord? Tell us how we should send it to its place. So they said, If you send away the ark of the God of Israel, do not send it empty, but by all means return it to him with a trespass offering. Then you will be healed, and it will be known to you why his hand is not removed from you. Then they said, What is the trespass offering which we shall return to him? They answered, Five golden tumors and five golden rats, according to the number of the lords of the Philistines. For the same plague was on all of you and on your lords. Therefore you shall make images of your tumors and images of your rats that ravage the land, and you shall give glory to the God of Israel. Perhaps he will lighten his hand from you, from your gods and from your land. Why then do you harden your hearts as the Egyptians and Pharaoh hardened their hearts? When he did mighty things among them, did they not let the people go that they might depart? Now therefore make a new cart. Take two milk cows, which have never been yoked, and hitch the cows to the cart, and take their calves home away from them. Then take the ark of the Lord and set it on the cart, and put the articles of gold, which you are returning to him as a trespass offering, in a chest by its side. Then send it away and let it go. If it goes up the road to its own territory, to Beth Shemesh, then he has done us this great evil. But if not, then we shall know that it is not his hand that struck us, it happened to us by chance." Then the men did so. They took two milk cows and hitched them to the cart and shut up their calves at home. And they set the ark of the Lord on the cart and the chest with the gold rats and the images of their tumors. Then the cows headed straight for the road to Beth Shemesh and went along the highway, lowing as they went, and did not turn aside to the right hand or the left. And the lords of the Philistines went after them to the border of Beth Shemesh. Now the people of Beth Shemesh were reaping their wheat harvest in the valley. And they lifted their eyes and saw the ark and rejoiced to see it. Then the cart came into the field of Joshua of Beth Shemesh and stood there. A large stone was there. So they split the wood of the cart and offered the cows as a burnt offering to the Lord. The Levites took down the ark of the Lord and the chest that was with it, in which were the articles of gold, and put them on the large stone. Then the men of Beth Shemesh offered burnt offerings and made sacrifices the same day to the Lord. So when the five lords of the Philistines had seen it, They returned to Ekron the same day. These are the golden tumors which the Philistines returned as a trespass offering to the Lord. One for Ashdod, one for Gaza, one for Ashkelon, one for Gath, one for Ekron. And the golden rats, according to the number of all the cities of the Philistines, belonging to the five lords, both fortified cities and country villages, even as far as the large stone of Abel on which they set the ark of the Lord, which stone remains to this day in the field of Joshua of Beth Shemesh. Then he struck the men of Beth Shemesh because they had looked into the ark of the Lord. He struck 50,070 men of the people. And the people lamented because the Lord had struck the people with a great slaughter. And the men of Beth Shemesh said, Who is able to stand before this holy Lord God? And to whom shall it go up from us? So they sent messengers to the inhabitants of Kiriath-Jerim, saying, The Philistines have brought back the Ark of the Lord. Come down and take it up with you. Let's begin our study of this chapter, 1 Samuel chapter 6, with some background notes. In 1 Samuel chapter 4, 
the Ark of the Covenant was captured by the Philistines and taken to Ashdod and put in the temple of their pagan god, Dagon. God let his supremacy over Dagon be known in no uncertain terms by having the idol of Dagon fall over before the Ark of the Covenant. When nothing but the torso of Dagon remained, and when the Philistines were smitten with tumors everywhere they sent the Ark, they finally, after seven months, realized that they had better send the Ark back to Israel. Now, why did the Philistines send the Ark back with an offering of molded golden tumors and molded golden mice or rats? What's this all about anyway? This guilt offering was what is known as a votive offering in the ancient world. The Philistines, like other polytheistic pagans, believed that you could appease the angry gods by presenting them with an offering that represented your problem and how you were experiencing the judgment of the gods. You know, I remember seeing the votive offerings that had been discovered in the archaeological excavations of ancient Corinth. On display in the museum there are molded images in ceramic and metal of all parts of the human body. These were votive offerings presented to the Greek and Roman gods in hopes of healing from diseases affecting these parts of the body. In the case of the Philistines, the fact that their offering consisted of five golden rats along with five golden tumors may be an indication that they believe the God of Israel was striking their five cities with a plague that was spread by rats. And indeed, that may be exactly what God was allowing to happen. The Philistines decided to send the Ark of the Covenant back to Israel in a way that would prove that the God of Israel was indeed a powerful God, and all this was not just by chance. They yoked together two milk cows that were still nursing their calves and hitched them up to a cart carrying the Ark and released them. Sure enough, against all laws of nature and against motherly instinct, the cows headed straight for Israel and arrived at the border town of Beth Shemesh. You know, you can stand at the location of ancient Beth Shemesh today and look down across the fields of grain for quite a distance toward the land of the ancient Philistines and visualize the ark being brought back to Israel. Well, so much for background. Let's move now to our doctrinal teaching points for 1 Samuel chapter 6. Doctrinal point number one. God shows mercy when people are ignorant of his laws. God shows mercy when people are ignorant of his laws. Even though God sent a plague on the Philistines until they sent the ark of the Lord back to Israel, we still see the mercy of God extended to the Philistines. How so? How many Philistines do you think touched the ark and looked into the ark? Certainly a number of Philistines were involved in carrying the ark around to their various cities and preparing the ark for its return to Israel. And yet we don't read of any of them being struck down dead as in the case of the people of Beth Shemesh who looked into the ark. How come? God shows mercy when people are ignorant of his laws. God had given specific instructions in his law as to how the ark of the covenant was to be handled and carried. Only the priests and the Levites were to be involved. Anyone else did so at the cost of their own lives. But God gave these laws to Israel, not to the Philistines. Now, this does not mean that God lowers his standards, depending on who he's dealing with. No, but God does take into account how ignorant a person is to the truth 
when it is no fault of their own. Even the Apostle Paul said in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 13, that although I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, and an insolent man, or a violently arrogant man, I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. 1 Timothy 1.13. Paul actually thought he was doing God's will when he was persecuting followers of Jesus, but he was ignorant of the truth. This does not mean that ignorance allows you into heaven. No way. Certainly not. And Romans chapter 1 clearly says that no one is ignorant of God. But God does show mercy when people are ignorant of his laws. Doctrinal point number two. God holds people accountable when they are not ignorant of his laws. God holds people accountable when they are not ignorant of his laws. Verse 19 says that 50,070 men of Bethshemesh were struck down when they looked into the ark. Now, that's a lot of men for such a small border town. However, maybe the people came from miles around when they heard that the Ark of the Covenant had returned. On the other hand, some of your translations give only 70 men because there are some Hebrew manuscripts that have 70 as the number and not 50,070. So what's the answer here anyway? Was it 50,070 men or only 70 men? Well, we can't be sure. In any case, the men who died were held accountable to God's laws because they were not ignorant of God's laws. Beth Shemesh was one of the 48 Levitical cities, according to Joshua 21.16. And we know that there were Levites there because they took the ark off the cart, according to verse 15. The Levites knew God's laws and were responsible to communicate God's laws to all non-Levites. So the men of Beth Shemesh were not ignorant of God's laws. Certainly they were not ignorant of the law that commanded people not to touch the ark or look into the ark. So under the law, even the Levites were not to see the ark, only carry it when it was covered. The Levites knew this, and most certainly every Israelite knew it as well. What happened at Beth Shemesh was not the result of ignorance. God holds people accountable when they are not ignorant of his laws. 1 Peter 4.17 says that judgment begins at the household of God. Now, in the context of 1 Peter chapter 4, the point of this verse is that if God judges and holds believers accountable, how much greater will be the judgment of unbelievers? But I think you see how this verse is closely associated to our doctrinal point. When we come into God's family, we are expected to obey his word. When we come to know his word and are no longer ignorant of his word, then we are held accountable when we disobey his word. God must discipline his disobedient children. We know from 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and 1 John chapter 5 that God may discipline believers with sickness and even death for their own good. Better to go home to heaven early than to do further damage to yourself, your family, and your fellowship. Judgment begins at the household of God because God holds people accountable when they are not ignorant of his laws. What about practical application from 1 Samuel chapter 6? 
let's trust God to do exceedingly abundantly beyond all that we ask or think. Let's trust God to do exceedingly abundantly beyond all that we ask or think. Now, you probably recognize that the words of this practical application come straight from Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, which says, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Ephesians 3, 20 and 21. Now, where do we see this truth taught in 1 Samuel chapter 6? Well, let me ask you. When the ark of God was taken captive by the Philistines, do you think anyone in Israel was praying for its return? Samuel certainly was, and probably a number of other godly Israelites as well. Now, do you think any of these godly Israelites, including Samuel, in their wildest imaginations, thought that God would answer their prayers in the way he did? I mean, think of it. No battles, no covert operations or secret missions, no payoffs or bribes, no spies or traps, just answered prayer. Can you imagine Samuel's amazement when he heard that the Ark of the Covenant had returned by itself on a cart pulled by a couple of cows? What an answer to prayer. Now, God does not always answer our prayers in such dramatic ways, but he can, and sometimes he does. Let's trust God to do exceedingly, abundantly, beyond all that we ask or think.